Welcome to A Servant's Heartbeat. My name is Kristen. Thank you for listening and allowing me to share my heartbeat for the kingdom of God with you. So picking back up where we left off last week, the topic was virtue and knowledge, as mentioned in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. So if you haven't already heard that one, then head back, um, listen to that one. I think it's called Calling to Grow, uh, Virtue and Knowledge. So for a quick review of what we talked about last week, virtue or moral excellence isn't about never making a mistake, but rather it is the pursuit of what is good and what is right in the sight of God. It's a consistent movement toward what God wants me to be. Next, we talked about knowledge, and this is more than just a knowledge of knowing some stuff about the Bible, but there is a practical application to this. It's a knowledge that is simply growing, growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. And we wrapped up everything by saying, we may not all be called to an upfront role or position, but we are all called to grow, to grow our faith by adding to it virtue and to virtue knowledge. And today we're going to talk about adding temperance, patience, and godliness. So the aim today is just to lay out some thoughts and practical application for what this may look like in your walk with God. So up first today is temperance. Now, much like virtue, temperance may not be a word that we use every day. So for example, think about the last time you heard somebody say, man, I just lost my temperance. (laughs) You know, it's just maybe not a commonly used word. But on the other hand, you more than likely have heard somebody say, man, I lost my temper, (laughs) you know? And by that, they mean they lost their self-control. They maybe lost control of their emotions in a situation. Perhaps they were trying to hold it all together and not reveal all of their anger at somebody. And without temperance and without self-control, things can go south real quick. (laughs) So Proverbs mentions a little bit about this in Proverbs 25, 28. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. No rule over his own spirit. Another translation says without self-control. So a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. So I think jumping into this topic of temperance, one of the first things that we can consider is temper or self-control of our emotions. How do I handle things in difficult situations? How do I handle it when somebody makes me mad or gets on my nerve? Proverbs 16, 32 says, He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. Sometimes what begins to to reach people, sometimes what begins to help you win that person that you were trying to reach to, is them seeing how you handle things. Not that we're doing this for a mentality of all eyes on me, but 
in, in sincere humility here, I, I feel like it's a blessing for us to be able to go through tough times or situations and then have somebody ask us, how are you staying so calm? <laughs> Why are you smiling in the midst of this? How did you refrain from giving that person a piece of your mind? Well, in humor at first, I'm going to say, well, I don't have many pieces of my mind left to give away. But in all seriousness, I can tell them, I, I can do this because it's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost that has changed me. It's the Holy Ghost that helps me not to go off when somebody makes me upset. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the temperance. Now, on note of the Holy Ghost changing a person and, and helping them grow in temperance, this also involves submission. So as we think about temperance and self-control, consider how this applies to our submission to the Lord. So question here, is it possible that sometimes we want to be in so much control, yet not in submission? I've heard it said before that you can't call him Lord if he can't tell you no. So if I want something, if I start to pursue after obtaining something, we'll just make a random example. I want to buy a car. So if I start to pursue that, if I start to save up money for this and that, and somewhere along the way, if the Lord tells me, no, I have a different meaning or purpose for that money, will I submit? Without temperance, without self-control, my passions and desires for something can take over. So maybe a means of adding temperance and self-control to our faith comes by way of submission to God. A place where my desire for something may be high, but my desire for Him is so much greater. And I think something else to keep in mind here as we're talking about temperance is to think about how this relates to the self-control of what we do with this vessel, with this body that we're in, that is a temple of the Holy Ghost. So 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, What? Know ye not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and, are, and ye are not your own? So when I am selecting an activity or something that I want to take part in, I want to consider that Holy Ghost that is within me. With every book or music or whatever I put on my, my Apple music, all that good stuff, I want to consider, is this something that is pleasing to God? As much as I may find pleasure in that thing or this song or whatever, there's got to be something in me that says, hang on, sis, let's take a minute to consider, is this pleasing to the Holy Ghost that is within you? Temperance and self-control, it's, it's kind of like that, that inward check in yourself that says, hey, should I do this? Now, this temperance or self-control also can tie into self-discipline. So Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 talks about running a race, not to obtain a corruptible crown, but incorruptible. And in verse 27, he talks about how he brings his body into subjection. 
Well, that sounds like some temperance or self-control to me. And the ESV uses a little different wording that I think helps bring about this this point or understanding of temperance and self-discipline. Because in verse 27, it says, but I discipline my body and keep it under control or self-control. Lest after preaching to others, I should myself be disqualified. The KJV says castaway. So looking at this, the last word there, disqualified at the end of that verse, again, the KJV says castaway. In personal application, I don't want my lack of self-control or self-discipline to cause me to lose out in this race. Staying in this race will take some self-discipline. One last point um, with temperance to consider is that temperance plays a role in how we prioritize our lives. It's stepping back from that me-first mentality and taking the God-first mentality. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So it's not all about abstaining from evil or things that are sinful, but again, it's just considering my priorities. Have I put God first in everything? So just a basic example here of what I mean by this, prayer is an example. You know, where is that on my priority list? Because me and the snooze button are real good friends. (laughs) But if prayer and talking to God is not my priority, then Take out self-control, take out temperance, and take out self-discipline. I'm hitting that snooze button, and now I've just missed morning prayer. So even in the little things, I want to consider my priorities to make sure that I've got God number one. All right, so now let's talk patience. So patience in 2 Peter 1 and 6 is referring to being steadfast. Now, what does that mean? Well, Let's learn something from James. So James chapter one, verse three says, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. So in relation to what we're studying here in second Peter one, six, this means that we may go through some trying times as we are adding patience to our faith. This will involve sometimes a perseverance We may have to endure some things, but without these trials, I can't learn true patience. And I say true patience because I think there is a such thing as passive patience or just sitting there with my popcorn and Dr. Pepper passively waiting for something to happen. (laughs) There's no real action. There's no diligence in that. And I'm pretty sure we talked about somewhere earlier (laughs) that we're supposed to add to our faith with all diligence. So now let's look at Romans 5, starting at verse 3, when Paul said, But we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. It continues in verse 4 to say, And patience experience and experience hope. Now, if I am being passively patient, I'm probably not going to experience a whole lot. 
Sure, I'm not complaining about the weight, and I guess that could earn me just a little bit of brownie points. But I'm also not doing anything to grow my faith. If I'm just sitting there waiting, (laughs) being passively patient. So I think it's important to remember when we're talking about patience that we can grow while patiently waiting on the Lord. I mentioned this with temperance, but I'm sure many of you, again, have been through situations or trials and and you're making it through it because God's helping you. And then somebody will ask, you know, how are you making it through this? How are you going through this with a smile? How do you still have joy? And oftentimes, again, like I mentioned before, we can say it's the Holy Ghost. But lately I've been saying this is a character building trial or experience. Yes, I'm going through it right now, but this is character building. And I did not even know this until I started to study this out this week. But that word experience, so in verse 4, and patience, experience, and experience, hope. In the Greek, that means character. Character. So yeah, these are character-building experiences. So to look at a couple of other translations and how they word it, the NLT says, and endurance develops strength. Of character. Another translation mentions endurance produces proven character. So adding to your faith patience isn't intended to be a passive thing, but there is something that I can do with diligence to develop my character. Now, on that note, what things are we supposed to do in patience? So when I am trying to add to my faith patience, what does that look like? I can't recall where or who I heard this. I think it was on a podcast somewhere. Uh, But when I'm in those trying situations, when I'm in those character building trials, the best thing that I can do is the will of God. And the will of God is the present duty. It's not trying to, to figure out a specific purpose or a specific calling, but just doing what I know pleases the Lord, what I know to do, doing the present duty. And then to add a little something to that, it's doing the present duty. And it also means keep on in well doing. Romans 2 and 27 mentions a patient continuance in well doing. And this ties back into uh, what we talked about last week with growing in knowledge. Growing in knowledge and learning of God, that's something I can do to help me add patience to my faith. Trying to figure out what the will of God is. Again, it's the present duty. So have I invested enough time in the knowledge to know what is it? (laughs) What are those basic things that God wants me to do in well-doing? And something else to be mindful of before we get to godliness, these trials that try or test our faith are not for us to go through alone. God intends for us to make it through these waiting and trying times with Him. 
I may feel alone, but as we talked about last week, I'm not basing this on a walk of my feelings, but rather this is a walk of faith in what I know to be true. And I know that in the test of my faith, I can stand on his word. It is a open book test of faith. So to recap, we have added to our faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness. Now, there is a lot that could be addressed when talking about godliness and what it means. And really, it it has some strong connections also to holiness. And my intention with this devotion, um, given the time frame I want to stay within, is not to hit all of the specifics, but rather to get our mind thinking about the application of what this looks like in our lives. So with that said, godliness is not a uniform, nor just simply a religion. Godliness or godly living is a lifestyle. It's a way of conduct or a way of living that communicates whose we are. In other words, I may be in this world, but I'm not here to look like the world nor act like the world. The Lord called me out of darkness. So my lifestyle, my way of living should communicate that I belong to him. And godliness is an awareness or a reverence towards God in every area. That's part of what what makes this a lifestyle. If God has something to, to, to say about my thoughts, my activities, my habits, my clothing, my conversation, you name it, then I want to be aware or have an awareness or reverence towards those things. What he likes, what he dislikes, what pleases him. Because I want to I be that vessel that pleases him. And I mentioned that godliness isn't a uniform. So it's not something that we turn on in one setting and turn off when we get to another setting. 2 Timothy 3.5 mentions having a form of godliness. So on the surface, they appear to be godly and outward holiness. But inwardly, well, there ain't no real substance. (laughs) So connecting this to what we just discussed with patience, as I am patiently waiting on God in the midst of my trials, this is a time where I can take a personal inward look and pray, God, work on me, search me. I'm, I may look all right on the outside. I am dressed the part to a T, but God, you know what's on the inside. And it's not to say that godliness doesn't have actions. There are. There are actions in how I dress. There are actions in how I serve. But I can't neglect the inward godliness, the inward holiness, which ties into how I commune with God. It's not just about the form or the appearance, but I need a godly work going on 
on the inside. And some may look at this holy way of living and see nothing but restrictions, tight ropes, fences, and too many standards. You have to separate yourself from all the good stuff, and you get no pleasures out of life. Some others may see this as just a crazy way of living, living a life of godliness and holiness set apart unto the Lord. Why are you doing all that? Just give in on a standard or two. Come on, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Just bow already. <laughs> the Lord has indeed set apart the godly for himself. And as godly people, we are not exempt from hard trials. They will happen. And we'll have to endure some things. That, that's going to happen. But when you're in that fiery trial, when the temptation is heavy and you just feel ready to walk away, because living this way is just too much. Let's not forget that there was a fourth in the fire, in that fiery trial. It is worth living for God. Living this godly lifestyle is not in vain. It's not for show. But when I stand for God, my God stands for me. So call me crazy. It's cool. I just call it consecration. <laughs> I have been called out of that life of crazy living to a consecrated walk with the Lord God Almighty. Sure, I, I realize that there are pleasures in this world. And yes, there are some tempting things. But I also know this world is not my home. And them hearses don't come with a luggage rack. First Timothy 6 and 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. So add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and then come back next week and hear the rest. <laughs> no, all seriousness, this virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, and godliness these are the things that are going to help us make it home. These are the things that will grow our faith. So let's grow to heaven together. We all have a calling to grow. <laughs>